Maria. I don't, I don't know how many of you know Maria, and I'll be, Maria, I've got to be honest, I didn't know your last name. Been knowing you for years. She worked at Donald Wilson's office for years. I don't know if you remember that. And now she works at, uh, can I say this? I don't want to be advertising one particular place. Yeah, Carpet One. Carpet One. That's okay with you, isn't it, Sheila? I'm joking. Look, I hope this morning you have your Bible and you will open it with me to 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verses 13 to 21. We started this last week, and we're going to look at these verses. Uh, We're going to do a little bit of the background of what's going on here and what I believe the message for you and I are uh, out of these verses. And then uh, hopefully next week and the week after, we're going to look in depth at these verses, okay? And and again, I know right now we've got a lot of folks that uh, are last Sunday as well as today that are way uh, in the mountains, and I don't blame you. I don't blame you a bit. But these are some very powerful words to the church of Jesus Christ. Not only to the church as a body, but you and I as individuals. And folks, I want to tell you from the very beginning, and and this title of the sermons are are from the scripture itself. God calls us to be holy. And I'm not standing up here uh, saying that I'm an example of a holy person. I struggle every single day in many ways that you might not understand. And because I'm a pastor, because my duty is to study and prepare the Word of God and to share it with you, I'm going to be held at a much greater accountability level, I believe, simply because you give me the time to study the Word of God. And so I'm not standing before you to act like, don't follow me, follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, that's where we really get in trouble because so often we compare our others, ourselves to others. And we can always find someone who we feel doesn't live for the Lord and so we can say, well, I'm better than that person. God's not asking us to be better than somebody else. He's asking us to be like himself and be like his son. And I want to get that out at the front. This is what these messages are all about. Don't be like anybody else. Be like Jesus Christ. That is our calling as a child of God. And as a believer. So with that said, let's pray together, okay? Lord Jesus, I thank you that we can come freely and openly to worship you. Lord, I'm grateful that you are here and your desire is to speak to each one of our hearts. Lord, I would ask again that if there is someone here who has not yet trusted Christ as their personal Savior, that even this morning the Spirit of God might help them to understand that even though all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, remind us again that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, your Son. And Father, for we who bear the name of Christ, who are professing Christians, Lord Jesus, speak to our heart as we study these words that Peter wrote to a church living in a very ungodly time. Lord, help us to understand that the church is not defeated by ungodly times. The church is given a greater opportunity to stand up and witness for the Lord Jesus Christ and remind us that your Son has called us to be the light of the world. And when the light of Jesus shines in us, that light cannot and will not be hidden or snuffed out. So, Father, I pray that you will take these passages of Scripture, and I pray, Father, that we will hear your call to be holy as you are holy. Father, take control of these moments as we study and read the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Last Sunday I began actually with verse 14, but today I want to drop back to verse 13, and I want to read verses 13 through 21, okay? And again, I want to read these this morning. Again, I'm reading them out of the Living Bible. We'll get into these verses next week, okay? But listen to what Peter says. So now you can look forward soberly and intelligently to more of God's kindness to you when Jesus Christ, and the word returns has left, been left out in this by accident, but folks, when Jesus Christ returns. And let me point something out. Peter is saying that our conduct should be conditioned and qualified by the fact that our Savior is coming back. Now, there's so much to think about along those lines. When he comes back, are we going to be found faithful? When he comes back, are we going to be living a life that has been presenting the gospel to others by the way that we live? And folks, you might have the King James, or I have the Revised Standard that says, at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Folks, make no doubt about it that Jesus is coming back. I do not know when. You do not know when, but he's coming back, and we should be living each day of our life as a believer who knows that our Redeemer and Savior and Lord is on his way back. Verse 14 says, Obey God because you are his children. I love that. Don't obey God because a preacher said so. Don't obey God because that's what your mom and your daddy and your grandparents tell you. Obey God because you are his children and you love the Lord Jesus Christ. We love him because what? He first loved us. Obey God because you're his children. Don't slip back into your old ways doing evil because you knew no better. But be holy now. <laughs> Look at verse 15. Now, this very moment. Be holy now in everything you do just as the Lord is holy. And again, I hope that you'll make notations in your Bible Listen to what Peter's saying. Our example of holiness is God the Father and Jesus the Son. And that's who we're to be patterning our lives after. Just as the Lord is holy who invited you to be his child, he himself has said, you must be holy for I am holy. And that is the word of God. That is in the Old Testament. That is in the New Testament. Verse 17, remember that your heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites when he judges. He will judge you with perfect justice for everything you do. So act in reverent fear of him from now on until you get to heaven. Folks, notice this is the second time that Peter has used the word now. Be holy now. And then he says here in verse 17, act in reverent fear of him from now on until you get to heaven. Folks, from this moment forward, every day, Every moment, we are to have reverent fear of our Lord. And listen to the reasons why. And folks, again, I keep asking myself this question as I read this passage of Scripture. Is God serious about you and I living holy lives? And the answer is yes. And folks, listen to the reason in verse 18 and following. God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven which your fathers tried to take. Now, their forefathers equated good works with salvation. And if they thought they could do enough good works to get into heaven, folks, you and I know that we cannot. All of us are sinners. We cannot do enough good works to get us into heaven. 
And Peter says the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver as you uh, very well know, but he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Let me point something else out. I heard somebody say recently, and I don't know if I make mistakes myself in what I'm saying, but they said no one lived a perfect life, not even Jesus himself. Folks, I didn't want to embarrass them in front of a group. The Word of God says he is the only one that has lived a sinless life. And folks, again, if we're patterning ourselves after Jesus, we will be seeking to live lives that are holy as he is holy. Verse 20. God chose him for this purpose long before the world began, but only recently. Now, again, think about this. These two books, First and Second Peter, were thought to have been, been written about 60 A.D. or about 30 years after Jesus came to earth. In these three years of Jesus' ministry, Peter is saying they were only recently brought into public view in these last days as a blessing to you. Because of this, your trust can be in God who raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Now your faith and hope can rest in him alone. Well, folks, throughout the Word of God, and, and I'll give a quick review of what we said, and it's going to be very quick. Throughout the Word of God, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, God commands, God expects his children to be holy, for he is holy. Now, again, I want to point something out. As a nation... The Jewish nation was expected to be holy as God had been holy. In the New Testament, the church of Jesus Christ is to be holy as he is holy. And again, think about the, the symbolism in the New Testament. The church is to be what? Christ's bride. We are to be spotless without blemish. Folks, we must guard against allowing unholy, sinful attitudes and actions to enter into the body of Christ and also as individual Christians. Folks, let me read again Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And again, folks, it is so ironic that Peter in 1 Peter and 2 Peter's writing to the church in Rome. Paul in the book of Romans is writing to Christians in Rome knowing that they're not only subject to persecution and death, but folks, they're being made fun of. They're living in one of the most ungodly cities that the world has ever known. And listen to what Paul says. I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your, your bodies as a living sacrifice. And folks, listen to what he's saying here. As Jesus sacrificed himself for us, we are to sacrifice ourselves for him. Perhaps not to the point of dying, but dying to self. Our own ambition and lives being crucified for the sake of Christ. We are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And what's the next word? Holy. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, do not be conformed to this world, which means do not follow the example of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is the will of God, what is good and, and acceptable and perfect. Folks, so often Satan tempts us to have the wrong attitude toward this concept of being holy. And again, I want to remind you that God is serious about this. It is not a joke. And so often as Christians, we treat this so lightly. Well, it really doesn't matter how we live. 
And there's some, there's some real confusion that I think Satan would want to bring in our hearts and minds. He would want us to think that holiness would be just by living by a certain set of rules and religious laws. Now, folks, there are some things that we should and should not do as Christians. Amen? Amen. But, folks, let me tell you something. Satan can often use our own man-made rules and regulations to make us proud and tempt us to think that we are saved because of who we are and what we do or don't do. And Jesus faced this continually in the gospel records. He faced the Pharisees and the Sadducees that believed that their salvation came by works. And the Pharisees said we're saved by our works and our merits. And folks, if you believe that, then the grace of God has not been applied to your life. We're saved not by our works, but by the blood of Jesus Christ. But because we have been born into the kingdom of God, we want to do works that honor Him because He loves us and we love Him. And there's another error. I'm saved by grace and by the blood of Christ. Therefore, I have no need to live a holy life, nor am I required by God to live a holy life. And folks, this is one of the most dangerous things for a child of God and for the church. When you and I think, well, I'm saved, so I really don't have to worry about how I lived. If I'm saved, my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and the preacher's told me that once saved, always saved, well, why should I go out and live like everybody else? Because in living like everybody else, there's so many things that begin to happen. First of all, we lose our fellowship with God. That's what sin does. We don't lose our salvation. We don't lose our relationship. We lose our fellowship with Him. It destroys or weakens our witness. Folks, every time a church has a big argument, what happens? It hurts the witness of the church in the community. I'm just giving that as one of the examples. When we start acting like people outside of the church rather than acting like the Christians who come to the church of Jesus Christ, that's a whole other subject. Let me get off of that. But what God is trying to say is how can our lives and churches be full of sin and ungodliness when he calls us to be full of holiness and Christ-likeness? And there's another error that Satan would really try and, and, and get us to swallow. Everybody else is not living a holy life. Why should I? Let me read again 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4. Listen to this. Peter says, Of course your former friends will be very surprised when you don't eagerly join them anymore in the wicked things they do, and they will laugh at you in contempt and scorn. We don't like to be different and unaccepted, do we? Do we? Let's be honest. You don't have to speak out loud, but we, we don't do it. Let me read some verses to you that you're going to know well. Matthew 26, verses 69 and 75. And I want to tell you something. When I read these verses and then I read what Peter says here, there had been a tremendous change in Peter's life, hadn't it? It really had. Tradition tells us that Peter was crucified upside down, put to death for his faith in Christ. But folks, he wasn't always like that. Listen to this story, Matthew 26, beginning with verse 69. Now, Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard. You know, the more I read the gospel records, it, it just it, it's so it's so unbelievable of how powerful each one of the words are. Peter is outside the courtyard. They they have they have gotten Jesus. They've taken him to the Jewish leaders to be tried. All of the disciples have split except Peter. But boy, he's keeping his distance. Okay. So he's outside in the courtyard, and a maid comes to him. You also were with Jesus the Galilean. 
but he denied it before them all. Now listen to this. Before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. Folks, you and I understand, and, and I'm not trying to talk down on Peter, what an opportunity for Peter to witness to his faith in Christ and who Christ was. But he denies the Lord. Verse 71, and when he went out to the porch. And here's something I hadn't noticed. I'm be honest with you, till this morning I was reading this passage again. As Jesus is being tried before the Jewish leaders, Peter, who wanted to follow, is getting farther and farther and farther away from the Lord. He had been outside in the courtyard. Now he goes out on the porch, and another maid saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again he denied it with an oath, saying, I do, do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Certainly you also uh, are one of them, for your accent betrays you. Then he began to invoke a curse on himself and to swear, I do not know the man, and immediately the cock crowed. And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And listen to this, he went out and wept bitterly. Folks, he basically is getting farther and farther away from the Lord. It was an opportunity for him to witness of his faith in Christ. He is sitting outside the courtyard, then he goes out on the porch, and then he goes out and he weeps bitterly. Physically and spiritually, Peter was getting farther and farther away from the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, here's a powerful point. When you and I reject God's call to holiness, we get farther and farther away from the Lord and we lose many, many opportunities to witness for Christ. And again, I'm, I'm preaching this to myself, okay? How many times have you and I, have we denied we were followers of Christ by not taking the call to be holy seriously? So often we reject this call to be holy because we don't want the shame and embarrassment of being associated with a follower of Christ. I want to mention a couple of challenges that I want you and I to take. Number one, in the coming weeks, would we allow the Spirit of God to x-ray our hearts, our minds, our mouths, and our daily lives to show us if we're living a holy life for Christ or not? Let me read something that David wrote many years ago, Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. He says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know what David is saying? Lord, where there is wrong in my life and sin, please make the needed corrections. Is that not a bold prayer to make? He wants to make the commitment for God to take his spiritual x-ray and x-ray himself. And I want to ask you, would we be willing to do that? And, and, and again, I'm preaching this to myself. Folks, how can this spiritual x-ray be done? Let me mention several different ways. First of all, the work of the Spirit of God. Let me read again to you John chapter 16, verses 7 through 11. Jesus preparing his disciples for his departure. Folks, now understand, the Holy Spirit has many functions. And one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. Not only the non-believer, but also the believer. Let me, let, me, let me ask you a question. If you, 
all of us have children and grandchildren, most of us do. If our child were doing something wrong that would hurt them, would we not correct them? Would you let your child do anything that would hurt themselves? Would God allow his children to do things that hurt their relationship with him? Absolutely not. And one of the ways that God would work to draw us to himself is the Spirit of God. Listen to these verses, John 16, 7 to 11. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the counselor will not come to you, but if I go away, I will send him to you. And when he comes, listen, one of the first things the Spirit of God is going to do, and folks understand this is not only for the lost person, but it is also for the child of God, the Christian, for you and me. He will convince or convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because I do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no more. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, folks, listen. We preach and we teach because it's in the Word of God that when Jesus left, he sent his Spirit. Amen? Amen. And his Spirit is where? It abides in us. And one of the things that we're going to read, hopefully, next week, the Spirit of God dwelt in Peter. When did the Spirit of God come? The day of Pentecost, correct? Acts chapter 2. Who is the one who stands up and preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ and thousands of people are saved? It is Peter. The man who had denied the Lord is the one who is filled with the Spirit of God. Folks, it is a very beautiful picture to see that you and I can only become holy like our Lord when the Spirit of God is dwelling in us and filling us and leading us and managing us and convicting us of our sin. And when the spiritual x-ray of God begins to look at us, the Spirit of God, number one, will convict us of the sin that is in our life. That's a humbling experience, isn't it? None of us like to be told that we're doing something wrong, do we? I don't. I confess it, okay? A second thing is the Word of God. As you and I study and read the Word of God, it reveals God's instructions to us and points out our sin, and it points out how He will lead us in the path of holiness. Folks, I can tell you that, that Satan does not want us reading the Word of God. We must, we must, if we're going to fulfill God's call in our life, do a discipline, study the Word of God. There must be a constant and consistent prayer life because when we're speaking to God simply to get our wants, we're not letting Him speak to us about how He will strengthen us and, and, and give us courage to live holy lives. And I want to tell you, God will speak to us. You know, I I was just thinking this morning about, and and this is not in the notes, Isaiah chapter 6. You remember when God God just takes Isaiah up to the throne room of heaven. And, And Isaiah hears the angelic being saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. You remember Isaiah's first response? I'm a man of unclean lips. What am I doing here in the presence of God? Folks, I want to tell you, God will speak to us and say, I can change those attitudes that you have that are wrong. I can give you strength to live above those sins that want to pull you back in. I encourage you, number one, to ask God to send his holy x-ray 
on our hearts, our minds. And I added mouths. And I, I thought about old Herbert Brown, and I get in more trouble with my mouth <laughs> in our daily lives. Let me, let me get through these, and I'll stop, okay? The second challenge is realizing that every one of us are living in a fallen world. We are, folks. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell you that, doesn't it? Does it? Our world is under attack by Satan and his forces to cause you and I to disobey and misbetray our Lord. Satan does not want us living holy lives. And secondly, as Christians, our flesh, and I know that's a biblical concept, you know what that means? Our pre-Christ nature. What we were like before we trusted Christ as our Savior wants to rule us, leading us away from holy lives. And folks, when we begin to fall away from the Lord, what happens is we get sucked back into those old ways. Satan, again, does not want us to live a holy life representing our Lord. Also, as a Christian, we're either leading people away from Christ or leading people to Christ by the way that we live. Years ago, and I I know that I've shared this illustration before, and it was told to be a true story. A man was working in a steel mill in Alabama, and and he accidentally, some of the the hot molten uh, ore accidentally was poured on him. And he knew that he was dying. And as he lay there in the floor dying, he, he cried out, Would someone who is a Christian tell me how I can be saved and get into heaven? It's, again, it's told to be a true story. And there were very few professing Christians in that meal. The man closest to him who was a professing Christian could not speak because his life did not back up his profession. And we need to examine ourselves. We're living in a world that is dying. And I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm talking about just not physical death, spiritual death. There are people that are dying around us. They're dead on the inside because sin has enslaved them and captured them. And they don't know how to be delivered. And if they don't see that there's a difference in my life and in your life and in the life of the people that attend this church, who will they go to? I'm not saying that to, to intimidate or to scare or manipulate anybody. Folks, I'm simply saying, is this not the truth? We need to be living the life that points others to Christ. Amen. A third thing, one day we'll all stand before the Lord and give an account of our lives. And folks, again, I'm talking to us as Christians, and again, I'm not trying to scare you, intimidate you, manipulate you, but to share the Word of God. Listen to these passages of Scripture, Romans 14, verses 10 to 12. And remember, these words are written to (coughs) believers, to believers. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? That's within the church, folks. For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, every tongue shall give praise to God. So each of us, each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5.10, again spoken to the church. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one must receive good or evil according to what he has done in the body. And later in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 17, listen to this. For the time has come for judgment to begin with what? The household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel? 
God help us. God help us. God help me to repent of sin and seek to live holy lives. Folks, there are people that are depending upon our witness to help them see the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, it amazes us how much you love us because, Father, so often we fail and fall so short. And, Father, I confess again, Lord, I I wish you'd ask somebody else to preach this sermon instead of me. I feel so unworthy, Lord. I have so many problems and hang-ups, and I fail you every day. But, Father, thank you for your sweet mercy and grace. Thank you that you're always willing to give us another chance. Thank you that when we get entangled with the ways of the world, you'll give us new strength and free us, Father, from those things that would keep us from living a holy life. Father, I just pray that the Spirit of God might just help us to see not only our sin that needs to be given up and forgiven, but help that the Holy Spirit would also show us the strength that he will give us so that we can live holy lives for you. Lord, as we read and study these verses by this man named Peter, help us to see what you did in his life, how when he was once one who denied you, he became one who stood boldly for you, even unto death. And Father, this morning I pray during these moments of invitation that your spirit would lead if there are those here that need to make decisions, whether it would be to trust Christ as Savior or as Christians if we should make new commitments and dedications to you, Father, if there's sin that we need to repent of as a believer so that you can work in a greater way in our life so that we can be a better and more powerful witness for you. Help us, Father, that we will. And, Lord, that your, your strength and power would come upon us. May your will be done in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Our hymn this morning is number 162, Wonderful, Merciful Savior. This is such a beautiful hymn. If God is leading you, if his spirit's leading you to make a decision, please come. If he's not, please stay where you are. But the altar is open if you'd like to come down and kneel and pray. If there's a burden that you need to share with me, whatever it might be, as God leads, would you come? 162, let us stand.